0: You know what's cool? Podcasts. You know what's not cool? No podcasts. Check out all the podcasts over here at blindknowledge.com. This podcast you're listening to right now is a featured blind knowledge podcast. All right, testing one, two. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for this very special Twitter space. Presented by Ghost, presented by key presented by Blind Knowledge. If you don't know me, my name is Joey B. I am the founder and owner of Blind Knowledge. Check us out over at BlindKnowledge.com. You can check out your favorite podcast. Check out your favorite uh, video media. We are digital media. We can help you content create. We can help you get your digital media out there. We're here to help. We're here to grow. BlindKnowledge.com is the spot. Enough from me more about what we're here about today i'm gonna give it over to my buddy over at ghost ghost you want to introduce yourself and let us know what you're all about
1: thank you for that intro joey ghost is a decentralized proof of stake privacy coin Uh, we make use of privacy protocols such as ring ct bulletproofs and danieline plus plus Uh, More recently, we further decentralized our blockchain with the introduction of a GVR. Uh, This is our ghost veteran reward structure. Uh, This eliminated the need for a middleman and also processes our GVR faster, so on a per block basis. Um, This also solves the time value of money problem associated with staking rewards. As previously, GVR was paid out on a monthly basis and in a lump sum.
0: I appreciate that awesome excellent stuff and we have also a friend of mine friend of yours works for state cube if you don't know state cube you're gonna know him after this this is derek derek you there
2: hey what's up guys thank you for getting this together today Um, we are still waiting for state cube account to join us but um that's okay. Good thing this is recorded, so we're not jumping the gun too fast. Um, however, I will start and say that State Cube is a custodial service. We also offer staking and we have an exchange. Uh, we also dive into eSports and uh, with our um, eSports and exchange or service, we also have a coin called State Cube coin, which um, serves kind of as a utility in some way to State Cube, but Also has a smart chain layer, which tokens and NFTs can be built on. So uh, overall, it's quite the ecosystem. And uh, we've been around since 2018 um, in service, and we're continuing to move forward with the space and try to progress as uh, technology innovates.
0: All right. This is really exciting stuff, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. We're just getting everything started. We just started about three minutes ago, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard. We're going to get State Cube in here. We're going to fill this bad boy up. We have a lot to talk about today. The first thing we're going to get to is a little bit about Sam Bankman-Fried and CZ. Who wants to start here?
2: Yeah, I can totally get started with uh, CZ and SVF uh, theatricals going on right now. It seems that um, with the end results kind of jump into the end of this. It appears that finance and cz has acquired ftx uh, fully so i don't think that sbf will be uh, too involved with the ftx any longer and with that said that means with cz taking over any coins or funds that users had on ftx they will um, be safe or as cz likes to put it safu anyways uh what has been going on is, um, there's quite some threads on Twitter you can dive into, but without looking into any of them, what I've digested is FTXs became insolvent and they didn't have quite the capital backing their tokens. The FTT token yesterday, we saw it collapse 84%. It was trading over $20 not too long ago and, uh, hit around $3 yesterday. I have not looked yet today to see what's going on with the markets, but I do know um, Bitcoin's looking like it wants to fall off. Um, This is probably due to CZ and SBF thing going on. And um, back in 2018, we had a Roger Ver, Craig Wright thing going on with Bitcoin. And so it kind of uh, mirrors or rhymes with history and it's interesting aspect. they're kind of what we call black swans in crypto. Nobody really sees these things coming. Uh, we also had this kind of happen earlier in some way this year with Luna and, uh, or Luna. and so it's quite interesting to see that it's crypto politics and it's not world stage politics that are affecting the space. Um, on the flip side, you know, the, the Big uh, thing about this last cycle was institutional investors bringing on institutions. And I think that this is uh, definitely going to put a scare to institution investors. Sure. So I would say this is phase two of the bear market that we're about to enter, which is the later half of the bear market. Um, welcome, State Cube. Sure. So finally, State Cube has made it. And uh, if you'd like, we could set State Cube as a host, but I will be speaking today. What do you uh, think about SBF and CZ? Have you guys been following it?
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that uh, you haven't checked the markets today. Uh, I, I just now checked the market for the first time today, and I'm noticing Bitcoin at seventeen one. Um, this is definitely a key resistance level, I believe. If we break this, you know, it's going to see a downward spiral into that 15 and then 13, I think, you know, if it doesn't hold through the 15s, we'll definitely shatter right through that floor and go straight to the 13s. Um, Now I wasn't made aware that uh, CZ um, on behalf of Binance actually made a full acquisition of FTX. To me, this kind of serves a nail in the coffin um, against our beloved uh, Coinbase, that is. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see how the market's going to react to this news. I mean, obviously, it's reacting pretty poorly for now. But I just believe that going down into the future, this is really only going to strengthen the market. Because if we look at bear markets back in the day, right, um, these are just typical trading bear markets. You know, people are seeing parabolic gains and then they'll sell the top, let it cool off a little bit. Um, And we're not really seeing that too much with today. Uh, If we take a look back at like 2020, um, the great bull run, we had so much adaptation, right? Because we had so much time on our hands to really research everything, um, really just understand the fundamentals of crypto and the whole reasoning behind crypto and what Satoshi laid out for us. Um, Then we also got to see institutional investors, like you mentioned, finally on board and start to service for their clients. I think it's worth mentioning now, Jamie Dimon of JP Morgan taking complete 180 stance on Bitcoin. He was kind of like Warren Buffett and saying that Bitcoin is a rat poison. I mean, he's right. Bitcoin is a rat poison and the rat is your typical financial markets. This is, you know, typical financial markets aren't doing much for their users, so to speak you keep your savings in a savings account you're earning what 001 percent on your interest where nowadays inflation is eight nine ten percent as reported as we're supposed to believe so it's just interesting to see that someone of jamie diamond's uh statue taking that complete 180 stance given everything and it's going to be quite a wake-up call for him to answer to his investors on how they're offering this to their clients.
2: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And then you got on the flip side of crypto, even stable coins that are, are able to offer five, six, seven, eight percent or even greater interest. And as you say, um, it's a, it's a good point to bring across this financial literacy. I mean, there's so many people that would rather put, uh, everything in their savings account, not realizing they're losing spending power every year, um, and then it's uh, on the flip side. You got lines of credit and loans, and you know the variable interest rates. And with the way the things are going on right now, it's it's a it's a debt monster, the whole fiat machine. So for a lot of us in crypto, we're we're in this for. Not necessarily like a political stance, but for the greater good, because we're seeing the flaws with um, the structure of the current legacy system of finance. So with that said, I think that this cycle is kind of a rinse and repeat, as we've seen before. But uh, eventually, I think that um, we're going to see more smoothed out cycles and not such a blow off top and, and drop out bottoms, you know.
1: Yeah, I'd have to agree with that statement. Um, and going back to the whole CZ SBF situation, um, it's just kind of funny that now he's acquired all that because you know, didn't FTX acquire or I think they put a bid into Voyager's assets and they were also bailing out, you know, notable institutional companies, sort of like, you know, three euros three euros capital, and we saw what all happened there, right? You know, they were just sort of over leveraged and then the house of cards finally came underneath, but definitely moving forward. Uh, I believe you're right. You know, with, with the stable oh. coins, there's, there's Hold definitely going be an issue. Oh. So
2: I'm, I just uh, searched Twitter FTX from watcher.guru breaking 28 minutes ago. Finance reportedly unlikely to move forward if, if with FTX acquisition following reviews of finances, CoinDesk reports. So, this is all live kind of happening and we're, we're all the audience waiting to kind of see what really does happen. But uh, yeah, Backman's net worth fell $14.6 billion in the past 24 hours yesterday. Um, His net worth now worth 991 million. So quite crazy.
1: That's got to hurt. Yeah. I'm not surprised at all that, you know, as they're doing their investigation through their financial reports um as they say the math isn't mathing right. Shit's not adding up. Um that there's no surprise there. And I, I think another reason why, you know, FTX was strongly trying to pursue well, SBF that is strongly pursuing a political ego here is that he could have, you know, this sort of political weapon in his back pocket. So that way they could solve their money problems. It's clear to me now that the company is definitely insolvent.
2: Well, he did make a quite the stance to donate quite a sum of money to, um, I mean, in, in the U S you know, it's lobbyism. You, you pitch money towards a politician and then you kind of get your way with, uh, whatever industry you're working on. We've seen this over and over monopolizing. So, um, and I think this is all a very good thing long term, but right now it's uh, going to sting. However, it just depends how you look at things. Uh, if you have some experience, you may be thinking about dollar cost averaging or making an entry sometime in the near future with this type of market situation. Agreed, Not financial absolutely. advice. Not financial <laughs> advice, though.
0: It's Agreed. interesting stuff, man. It's interesting stuff. We're going to switch it up just on topic base. We got to let everybody know, and I'm sure everyone's here to talk about it and hear about it. McAfee. We got to know about McAfee. We need the backstory on Ghost. My man Ghost, can you give us a little backstory on that?
1: Oh uh, Yeah, I'd be delighted to. Um, so for those that don't necessarily know, you know the whole backstory on Ghost... Um, Ghost was co-founded by John McAfee as well as another uh, person who goes by the pseudonym of Josh Case. Uh, Josh had previously started a uh, different project as well. And I believe at the time, he was close friends with McAfee and um, you know with John's vision and his guidance, you know, he wanted to bring forth um, a cryptocurrency that was for the people. And this is where Ghost had incepted. Um, you know, John laid out the fundamentals of what he wanted in this project and what it would serve for. So, taking Ghost for what it is, you know, we have given the ability for people to take back that financial self-sovereignty as well as you know their privacy. The whole precipice behind Ghost is that you know, we believe that privacy is a human right, and nobody should be subjected to, you know, doxing themselves through any means, whether it's financial or you know, physical or whatever it may be, you know, privacy is a good thing. And you shouldn't be ashamed of it, as, you know, we saw with Tornado Cash, it quickly got hit with sanctions and the whole government got pissed off because they had no control over it. Um, I want to talk about John's role with Ghost. Now, John was the co-founder. Sure. Now, his development participation that is sort of halted right there. And we have you know, cryptographers and C++ devs that have 10, 15 years of experience working with code and working with these systems and formalizing protocols. So John sort of took in a uh, hands-off approach and more or less sort of a uh, advisory role, if you will. You know, we'd approach John with uh, a protocol layout that we may have and uh, present it to the community and with John's oversight and obviously his decades of experience working with cybersecurity, um, you know, he, he would offer some insight on how best to you know roll out certain platforms. And you know, this is of course, before all of the um, legal issues, as well as, you know, his, his personal issues. Um, I think that kind of wraps it up with uh, the backstory there.
2: Yeah, I think, that, uh, I think that McAfee was big into privacy and just sovereignty and freedom in general. So he was always uh, standing up for himself. And um, many of us looked up to him. And a uh, fun story, back in the day, I think it was 2019, at one point in time, John McAfee tweeted out that his top four preferred staking pools. And at the time, you know, staking pools were relatively small. And he mentioned State Cube as, you know, number three or four on his list. And thanks to him mentioning that, we had significant user growth and interest come in for, through his Twitter. But uh anyways, it was just a cool thing for John to do. And um that's about when yeah, twenty nineteen I think when that happened. Uh but yeah, I've always he's always uh, been uh somebody I've looked up to. I listened to him back in the day on bad crypto podcast i think it was like episode 100 or something and uh, that was the first time i really got into knowing who john mcafee was other than the netflix documentary which kind of framed him as this bad guy so it was nice to see both sides of it and um it's an interesting story with the second documentary on netflix and if he's still alive i don't i don't know but that's quite crazy you know so Uh, to think about and especially with the other events we've heard about in the political world with things so yeah uh, rest in peace Mr. McAfee
1: yeah John is a true magician of uh, the art of disappearing and being able to escape out of uh, certain situations we'll call it Um, if he is out there you know Obviously, we wish him all the best and um, many more years on his uh, amazing life. Yeah, there's something to be said about the uh, crypto community for a lot of people who sort of joined in around that 2018-2019 era. You know, John was really sort of a uh, a spokesperson for you know getting into the space and talking about these different coins, uh, talking about these different projects and what they all serve um you know so i think a lot of people really just kind of look up to john from that guidance almost like you know this father figure in the land of you know crypto Um, and ultimately that's you know i think where john was uh was best at in this later part of uh of his life
2: yeah and uh i mean in some senses there's no telling he'd still be on twitter if uh he was able to be today, you know, with everything else going on. So, Kanye and, you know, Andrew Tate. And it seems that anybody that's kind of off the beaten path with their stances, you know, you get silence. So, yeah, either way, though, miss the guy. I miss his tweets. And uh, if he is still out there, I, I agree. I hope he's doing well.
0: All right, everybody. If you're just joining us, we have Ghost. We have State Cube. We're talking about crypto. We're talking about John McAfee. And if you haven't heard about it, check out blindknowledge.com. We got digital media for you. It's it's informative. It's entertaining. And maybe you'll find a podcast you never heard of. Blindknowledge.com is the spot. These guys are the big guys, though. We got Ghost, we got State Cube. Hey, Ghost, can you tell us more about McAfee and the influence on Ghost? And just like, what what's something we should know that we we probably don't know about McAfee?
1: Well, building on what uh, was just Afer mentioned, um, there's not a whole lot more to really discuss. You know, we've we try to stay pretty transparent for the community, and um, you know. If anything's in question, we like to bring it to light quickly. Um, you know, John was just uh, John was just this total badass, right? Um, He's just this freedom fighter, and that sort of fueled the fire for Ghost. And you know, we've taken that fire, and now you know, we continue to march to the beat of our own drum, right? So. Um, taking that hands-off approach that John did and letting the community build itself really set the tone for the future of Ghost. You know, it, it, it really just decentralized the whole development process and, uh, really just aggregated the whole process of what protocols do we want to implement, what's going to, you know, increase, uh, user efficacy, as well as the ultimate goal, privacy. Right. So having John in there, man, it's 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 really just sort of a blessing because there's there's not a whole lot of people nowadays where they've had decades of experience in the cyberspace, whether it's developing simple protocols for, you know, uh, school systems or uh, developing avionic systems, whatever the case may be. You know, we were fortunate enough to have John really be in there with uh, his knowledge of cryptography and specifically elliptic curve cryptography.
2: Yeah, that's that's awesome. So how how has it been since, you know, John's passing or disappearance, so to say? And, you know, what are some things Ghost is looking forward to doing um, moving forward?
1: That's a great question. You know, since uh, since John's disappearance, um, it's pretty hard on the community. You know, our uh, belated co-founder has now been ousted as this as this bad guy. You know, as you mentioned, you know, you got the people like uh, you know Kanye for what it's worth and Andrew Tate. If you say anything that goes against the narrative, they're gonna cancel you, and uh, you're gonna be deplatformed, demonetized, and they'll do everything that they can to stop you. But um, since his disappearance, you know, I believe the community has only gotten stronger. You know, we've sort of come together um, and really just formed this family bond, so to speak. You know, I kind of hate that word. It seems like the word family has just become this uh, poor excuse for uh, woke companies. <laughs> um, but now looking forward in the future, you know, we have many, many great deliverables uh, on our roadmap. Um, You know, uh, some to mention in the future, right? We have this uh, protocol called Ghost Chat. And uh, I think it's going to be the first, crypto's first uh, instant messaging platform with uh, user-end encryption with AES-256. And for those that are unfamiliar with uh, this level of, you know, technical terms, AES-256 AES would take 2,000 trillion years to crack, even with the most advanced computers today. Uh, so we're very excited to keep building on this deliverable, um, as well as also further decentralize our chain with on-chain governance. Uh, on-chain governance, we believe, is a must-have in, in any blockchain, um, regardless of uh, Bitcoin, of course. But um, and moving forward with With any project nowadays, you have to have some sort of way for the community to have a say in the direction of you know what the project is going to do. Are we going to eliminate a certain protocol? Are we going to include a certain protocol? You know how are we going to allocate funds? What are we going to do for marketing? Um, You really got to treat it like um, a company almost, like a public company, right? Because each owner of your Coin is really a shareholder and they have a voice and you really need a portal to help guide those voices and help guide that project in the right direction. Um, something we've been working on behind the scenes is really getting a wrapped version of Ghost. You know, we've been looking at you know Ethereum as a possible solution given that they just went through the merge and they won't really be scalable until I believe it's the splurge can never keep up with all of their acronyms, but um, we're looking at various blockchains, of course, and uh, we really want to get into that DeFi game strong because we believe it has fundamental value that uh, will only propel Ghost further.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. As well as Stake Cube with Stake Cube Protocol as our dive into DeFi under development, but um, totally interesting about the messenger. Is it a messenger? Going to be, or do you guys have kind of like an idea of a theme or like anything that's out there that would kind of give us an idea of what we could expect?
1: So we do have an MVP, um, and this this will basically be an additional you know interface on the wallet itself. You know, this will run on the blockchain, just like how uh, Ring CT or Bulletproofs operates on the protocol as well. Um, one concern that you know, uh, some of the community members may have was that, you know, how is this going to affect scalability? And um, you know, it's, it's almost not even noticeable because the transaction byte size doesn't even hiccup the chain at all um, in testnet phase. So, this will uh, again, this will be an additional window, so to speak. You know, just like if you were to go to check for coin controls um, on, like, the Bitcoin QD wallet, for those who are familiar with that, and you'll be able to create rooms, um, chats, everybody will have their, you know, unique uh, identification name that's specifically attached to their sole wallet. Now, however, again, being that this is AES-256, the privacy there is unmatched and there's you know be no cause for... Um, Uh, a dox of anonymity Uh, an important thing here is that since it's going to be on the ghost blockchain we don't have to worry about servers getting shut down you know necessarily adhere to um, certain regulations or uh, certain data collections because there is no data Um, everything that'll be on there is pretty much erased as soon as it's 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 gone so uh, it, it's kind of like when the FBI asked signal for, you know, details on a certain user I said, okay, well, here's what we got. And it was one line, it was a timestamp of the last time that uh, this user interacted, right, there was no threads of communication, there were uh, no threads of who this user was communicating to, um, where this communicator is located. Um, and that'll all of those characteristics will be shared with ghost chat.
2: Very cool. So in other words, I guess I, I had some other questions for you. Where is the best places to get ghost other than of course stakecube.net and what is the collateral needed for minimum stake and what is the ROI and all those good things tokenomics. Could you give us some details there?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. So of course, you know, we are Ghost. We love you guys. Um, State Cube is is usually always my first option if I'm picking up another bag of Ghost. But um, some of our other exchanges that uh, we work closely with is Trade Ogre. Uh, Trade Ogre does not KYC. Uh, we have a good amount of liquidity available on there for users to pick up, um, and of course sell as well if they want to. Um, and more more recently, Ghost was just listed on Exchange Assets. Uh, Exchange Assets is a Ukrainian-based hybrid platform. Um, They offer, you know, interest as well as uh, proof-of-stake staking pools as well. Uh, So we're very proud to be partnering up with, you know, this Ukrainian uh, exchange given the uh, war efforts and whatnot. Uh, But the minimum amount of staking for a staker on Ghost is 0.1 Ghost. And currently, uh, your, your yield on the staking rewards uh, ranges from 12.1% all the way up to 29%. Uh, You can achieve that 29% APY by becoming a Ghost Veteran. Uh, Ghost Veteran is sort of our master node structure for those that are familiar with a master node. Uh, Basically, what a master node is, is uh, it's a node that holds a considerable uh, weight of network power, whether it's proof of work or proof of stake. So since we are proof of stake, if you hold a certain amount of coins, then you are eligible for ghost veteran rewards, uh, which we acronym it as GVR. And that's how you can get that 29% um, APY. And now ghost veteran rewards are processed on a per block basis. Um, So our current block emissions are 11.4 ghosts per block. 3.876 3.876 of that goes to the miner of the block. 1.824 of that goes to our dev fund. And 5.7 of that goes to the uh, GVR, Ghost vendor Rewards. So if you have, you know, 20,000 coins and uh, you've gone through the parameters of the AGVR protocol, which we have listed on our Medium page, you can read all about that. Um, you know, you can gain around, what is it? 9.579 ghosts per block. Uh, so we think that's really awesome because typically users were waiting about a month to gain these additional rewards. And uh, it was all just lumped up and it was very centralized. So this is this is a protocol we were working on for the past two years. And we we faced many roadblocks to achieve this to where we get to the day.
2: Now, if I remember right, I was speaking before, you said there's some um, some aspects of Monero involved with Ghost.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. So, uh, of course, we always get the question, you know, what's the difference between, you know, Ghost and Monero, right? Because Monero makes use of ring CT and bulletproofs as well. I mean, to answer that, you know, Monero only has 16 ring signatures, Um I'm not gonna get too in depth on the technical overview on Ring CT, but basically a Ring Signature is when a user broadcasts their transaction, right? Uh, Using an anon address and using an anon transaction, that, that transaction will be broadcasted to a number of different people. So that transaction will hit a different node on the ghost blockchain, and then it'll hit a different node and a different node. Uh, it's almost like a flower sprouting. So we can see it hit these many different people. Um, and this is what coined the term a ring, because we have all these people who act as decoys in the network. Um, and that helps obfuscate and shuffle that transaction, um, really eliminating that uh, traceability factor behind the blockchain. So again, Monero has 16 ring signatures and Ghost has 32 ring signatures. Um, additionally, of course, Ghost uses a different consensus method, right? Ghost is proof of stake as opposed to Monero is proof of work. And then in addition to this, you know, we believe that our ecosystem has a more rewarding utility factor behind the fact you know, with uh, Ghost veterans, especially being that, that number one utility there um and again as we expand our ecosystem further down the road uh, when we do launch ghost chat that'll really just be basically your in-house one-stop shop for everything privacy related right if you need to communicate with somebody and you want a secure private chat use ghost chat Um, if you don't want prying eyes on your financial transactions use ghosts you know it could be as simple as you purchasing a new robe for your spouse, right? And if you're married, of course, she's going to have access to your bank statements. So it's like, oh, hey, honey, you know, what was this $72 transaction at Victoria's Secret? Well, bam, <laughs> you know, the surprise is now spoiled. So you can use ghosts to help hide that. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, totally. um, yeah,
2: no, there, I mean, obviously there's there's sides of arguments when it comes to privacy, cryptocurrencies, and, and mostly those are, like mega awful things with, uh, you know, that I really don't want to talk about. But um, so to say, there's also fundamental good things about privacy in nature. And uh, it's just a hard idea for a lot of us to grasp the full idea of um, full privacy because we're, we've been so catered to with uh, with how banking system is and how we're so familiar with the things, the way the existing things are today. But uh, it is a good thing to focus on privacy aspects and looking forward to see what ghost has uh, coming down the pipeline. In other words, Um, as for StakeCube, we are a fork of Bitcoin and use masternodes of Dash and our POW proof of work mining network is FIRO POW. So we've uh, kind of collected these ideas throughout the years and, uh, and acquired what we think is best and try to move forward with it. Um, I think that masternodes are amongst one of the top ways to uh, become some sort of validator. You know, there's other types of nodes and uh, network staking that often requires some sort of voting or delegacy or whatever involvement that it may take, maybe a locking up period of 180 days or whatever. So Masternodes are in that way decentralized, but in the other sense, they can become centralized very so. Like in some way of state cube, you know, we host a lot of our masternodes ourselves. So, our encouragement is to get users to host their own masternodes fully independently, which strengthens the network. And, you know, on the flip side, proof of work GPU miners. So, it's kind of a simultaneous approach to validation and network security it, it defeats 51 percent attacks so um, for network security and stability also supportive state cube protocol layer um, which is a custom and unique um, built chain uh, not a copy of a evm layer so with that said it's completely innovative that um, something that we have to get audited and prove down the test of time but It's so far looking really good for SCP. And with that dive into, uh, you know, DeFi, we can, you know, think about things like token swaps, uh, NFT marketplaces, blockchain games, uh, you name it. So that's kind of uh, some of our dives. We also got V3 coming, which is our platform kind of being remodeled and released, built for scale and um, built to handle network, main network coins and their ecosystems so for example we have syscoin listed with v3 i do believe we'll be able to support syscoin tokens in other words other coins like that too so there's quite a few networks now to to keep tabs on i think we got like 20 really good ones now and um not sure how each one will go independently as a listing factor but We'll take our time into diving into each one, and hopefully it's not too extreme. The nice thing today is web wallets and things like MetaMask make it really easy to uh, create integrations, so we'll see how it goes with V3 coming. The other thing is our eSports. It's uh, starting to gain some traction. It's really looking good. Uh, we've been hosting tournaments for blockchain games and even just regular games like Overwatch and uh, in the past, Rocket League, before they did away with crypto guys doing their games. So, uh, quite the diversity we're diving into and some other things going on that I, I just can't process right now. So, uh, I think that covers everything I wanted to say about State Cube today.
1: <laughs> Certainly sounds like, you know, there's, there's a lot in the works, uh, you know, behind State Cube. Um, we love to hear it. Yeah, you know, we say that um, you know once once development stops, really uh, you know a project kind of begins to die. So you know we're we're a big fan of always having development continuing and just constantly building, constantly working and expanding on that ecosystem. Uh, before I ask, you know, what the tokenomics are uh, behind StateCube, uh, there's something to be mentioned about. Uh, consensus methods regarding you know delegated proof of stake emission voting and validators. Um, less less often than not, uh, we get a few questions regarding, you know, how is how is ghost veterans, you know, make up on you know the consensus method and how does this all play out you know, in a decentralized manner. And it's because we did not make use of actual um, traditional masternodes. Uh, if you look at blockchains like Arc um, and Cosmos, right? These guys are delegated proof of stake. So you have the community voting on these validators on which blocks to mine. And and to me, it's just it's wild. It it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, why are why are these guys propping up these? Pools these validators into a position that sort of control the chain, because if you look at Cosmos, I did an an analysis on them about a year ago. Um, They had one validator had like almost twenty percent of the voting power, Um, and we want to talk about fifty one percent attacks and the whole nature behind it. Uh, Cosmos uses a Byzantine fault tolerance, you know BFT consensus. To me, when you already have a validator approaching, if not that 20% network power. And if you were to reach out to another validator that had, let's say 10%, those two guys right there make up that 30%, right? That, that almost 33% threshold you're creating the Byzantine problem in itself. So it's, it's almost paradoxical at that point that people aren't, you know, aren't really questioning why is DPS still a thing and why have people not necessarily moved off of it, um, and just gone with traditional proof of stake. Uh, it, it kind of blows my mind. Um, you if know, we, we look at attacks, like look at, uh, Bitcoin SV, right? There's now one miner that owns like 80% of the network power. Um, this should have been red flags after it reached, you know, 20% of the network power. But the same can be said for Bitcoin, uh, the OG top dog, right? And we're seeing like AMP pool um, and F2 pool. These guys are reaching almost double digits and their network power. And I think it's almost a duty, not only to themselves, but a responsibility to the blockchain to limit yourself on that network power. Uh, because if you're trying to stand for decentralization, right, you're trying to stand for everything that Satoshi has laid out, right? We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Satoshi. We wouldn't be having this conversation. Uh, None of this would be in existence, right? So if you're trying to stand by those ethics that Satoshi has laid out, uh, I, I don't understand how these people can stand by their protocols and say, yeah, we're decentralized, but yet between this pool and this pool, now, we make up about 40% of the network power, or you know, with this one guy, we've got over 55% of voting power, yeah. or whatever the hell it may be, right? That, that, it's, it's, quite it's mind often. blowing. It's, it's it's more often than not, and I think people need to really question these uh, these popular chains because some of these top 100 coins, they they have a decentralization problem.
2: Well, uh, it's also there's also like different formats of decentralization because you can talk about on chain and whatnot like of course there's proof of work you know with miners taking up the network and then there's staking with having so much weight of a coin where you take up most of the network and node holding or so to say but then there's also the decentralized and centralized versions of like things like kyc and uh, gateways fiat gateways um and there's probably other layers of centralized decentralized to think about so it is a I do agree with like what you're saying about the way Satoshi kind of laid it out, but with the open source nature, it's also kind of like letting the can of worms open. You know, it's letting multiple routes out at one time. It's it's became quite bizarre. You know, with things like Ethereum on its own, it's created this. Without Ethereum, you could say, you know, the space wouldn't be where it's at with tokens and DeFi, and so there's also that aspect. And so, yeah, I, I agree that DeFi is super critical and um, that um, Ghost, that's why I like to do these types of spaces with Ghost, you know, uh, could DeFi a good DeFi project. Sorry, getting distracted here. Um, But yeah, I think that uh, for tokenomics, I think that's what you're saying for StateCube?
1: Uh, yeah, if you could just give us, you know, a run through on, on the tokenomics behind StateCube.
2: So we are max supply, 18 million, hold on one
0: sec. Losing my voice here. Get this man a beverage while we're waiting for Derek. Hey, thanks, for everyone, for joining us. We got Ghost. We got Steak Cube. This is presented by Blind Knowledge. Check us out over at blindknowledge.com. Find your favorite podcast, the one you haven't found yet. Uh, We are talking McAfee. We're talking crypto. We're talking really anything we can in the crypto space. If you have any questions, uh, we're going to take some questions in just a few minutes. So hang on just a moment for that. And I'm going to send it right over back to Derek so he can finish his thought with that. A, uh, a quick beverage i believe
2: <laughs> thank you joey um i was gonna say i i just have some bad allergies going on um with this fall but uh leaves shedding and whatnot uh what i was gonna say is state cube has 18 million or yeah 18 million coin supply as a max supply currently i think there's like 10 11 million in circulation um with that said there's Roughly 6,000, 7,000 masternodes, so about 7 million coins uh, locked up actively in our masternodes. But there is about 9,000 total masternodes. Some are just POS ban, lazy holders, just just haven't got around to fixing them. In other words, to get them back online. But with that said, it creates higher ROI for for coins that um, are active in masternodes. So, on the flip side, you got proof of work mining. And then on this side of the masternode collateral, you got the masternodes mining rewards too. Um, recently, our block rewards dropped from, I think it was 5.6 to now it's 4.9 stake cube coin per block every two minutes being minted. Um, the reward gets split, uh, majority to masternodes, uh, or that's actually for masternode rewards. And then there's a I think it's one point eight or two point one sec that's going to pow um, every block. So yeah, inflation's slowly dropping. I Think it's around twenty percent right now on the annual, and uh, masternode holders are yielding about sixteen to twenty percent. And um, with that said, I think uh, oh yeah, masternode collateral is a thousand stake cube coin. So roughly. What is it uh, not too much over like $500 to collateralize a masternode with StakeCube. Um, with that said, we have some perks on the platform. So like if you hold a StakeCube coin masternode, you can host it with StakeCube. Um, you can register that masternode with StakeCube to prove that you're the holder of it and gain some benefits like lower fees on trading uh, additional interest on large cap coins like bitcoin dogecoin dash uh, litecoin and some future ones that will be added uh also with stake cube coin um you can do that with 10 master nodes so you can unlock a max yield of like 11 and a half percent on bitcoin or those other coins i mentioned um also stake cube coin offers uh, a yield up to a thousand state cube coins that you can collateralize. Of course, uh, the other perk is you can lock up a masternode with State cube coin, um, basically sending it to State cube, and then for ninety days we hold on to it. And that does, what that does is gives you the ability to unlock fifty free masternodes to host <clears throat> on node cube.
1: Awesome. Uh, right.
2: Sorry about that. Um, and so that gives a perk uh, to basically create better yields because it costs $2 a month to host a master node on a hot node and $1 a month to host it on a cold node. Um, without diving too much into what hot and cold nodes are, uh, yeah, that's that kind of sums up tokenomics. Uh, we also have burning mechanism in place with StakeQ protocol. Uh, anybody that creates an NFT project or token on SCP uh, costs ten stake cube coins. So those are sent to burn address. However, the supply is elastic. So <clears throat> any coins that are burnt will be sent to be re reissued at the tail end of the supply. So say a million coins get burnt today, those will be reissued elastically. So the max supply will always be $18 But if there's anything burnt under that, then those coins can be reissued uh, with masternodes and miners later. So kind of a way to incentivize the chain. Also, gas um, takes place with StakeCube coin on SCP. So network fees. um, What we've seen actually already is that masternode rewards and proof of... I'm not sure about proof of work, but masternode rewards will come in like a few, what we call Olegs, but it's like Satoshis, um, they'll come in a little bit higher rewards because of the gas on SCP with the few transactions that have been going on. Um, with SCP, you know, the idea is adoption and expansion, network usage. So more projects, more onboarding, uh, more trading and network gas being used will incentivize That's the validation of you coin. Uh, down the road and that's something that we're looking forward to to work on and make better
0: how about you guys yeah. ghost, can you guys relate to any of that or speak on any of that for you guys in particular
1: oh uh, yeah i'd love to yeah uh, derek thank you for the detailed breakdown of uh, the tokenomics um, earlier failed to mention you know our block times ghost also has a target block time of two minutes Uh, Currently, we have a current circulating supply of around 20.9 million, and we have a max supply of 55 million coins. Um, I think I had mentioned earlier that Ghost observed its first uh, block reduction this year. Uh, It went from 12 Ghosts per block down to 11.4, and we will observe a reduction of 5% every year for the next 45 years um, until that block reward is reduced to about uh, .005 Ghost, I believe it is. Um, Speaking about locking mechanisms, um, sort of that DeFi aspect, uh, Ghost doesn't have any locking mechanisms. So for users who want to stake their coins, they have two options. They can hot stake, through their wallet. This is just keeping their wallets open at all times and online. Um, you could call this in similarity with, you know, keeping your you know, graphics cards running while you're constantly mining a proof of work algorithm, right? Um, it's just constantly on, your wallet's constantly online and open. That's hot staking. Uh, the other option is through cold staking. Uh, cold staking is done through our cold staking pools. Currently I believe we have about either five or six cold staking pools and all users do is that they are delegating their stake weight to a pool and that delegation there helps, you know, find new blocks and then it's divvied up with the other pool members and sent out accordingly. So the coins never leave the user's wallets. They're always uh, readily accessible and available and uh, users, you know, Again, they don't have to wait to access their coins. Um, If they want to move their coins to a new wallet, uh, if they want to send a transaction, go to a different pool, they can. However, if you want to enter the staking script, a little rusty on my knowledge, but I believe it takes 255 network confirmations for your coins to actually be entered in that script, uh, whether you're hot or cold staking. um, And after that, you know, 255 comps. Uh, you will begin to find blocks, uh, of course, depending on your network stake as well. Uh, but you know, a, a little mention about partnerships as well. Um, we, we've reached reached out to an old partner of ours, Ivan Pay. Uh, I believe they're Hong Kong's largest uh, vending machine users. Um, I'm not too familiar with you know the Asian culture, but I believe you know Hong, uh, vending machines are are very popular, especially in Hong Kong um when when ghost was first launched we had this partnership with them and uh users were able to you know purchase uh, a soda or a sandwich whatever it may be right uh some ramen with ghost um and then i think through through various hard forks and also there was a, a chain of command shakeup on ivan Pay's uh behalf uh, we kind of lost that partnership but you know A little teaser for for the Ghost listeners, we have repaired this relationship and, uh, you know, are happy to announce this, and uh, Ivan Pay is reintegrating Ghost, Um, so we'll be happy to share more on that uh, when it's officially launched, but to talk more about network consensus again and uh, sort of lock up, the other aspect behind automating Ghost veteran rewards is, you know, we have these parameters behind it, such as these users have to be staking. Uh, there's the collateral threshold of 20,000 coins to be a veteran, right? Uh, and then we also introduced a time lock of uh, 21,600 blocks. And that roughly equates to 30 days or a month's time. Uh, we did this as a protection layer against the community or for the, for the community, I'm sorry. Uh, so basically it's like, You know, somebody can't just buy up uh, a vet's worth of coins, come in, uh, you know, stake their coins, you know, get this giant lump sum and then basically just sell it. Right. Um, Or if they want to shake up the network a little bit. So having our veterans constantly staking, um, this helps support the network stake weight. Uh, And of course, obviously having a healthy network stake weight helps prevent against 51 percent attacks and also just increases the speed of validation of transactions, uh, you know, as well as, you know, just helping reduce uh, that centralized structure that we see some of these proof of stake uh, projects have.
2: Yeah, that's all good. Uh, and also you can uh, always it's just hold a balance at you, and uh, we are part of one of your pools. So that is, that is uh, true, yes. There's an easy way to get some ghosts. Um, if uh, anybody here is from State Cube, you probably already know this. So, uh, yeah, I think that uh, I think that we covered about everything we wanted to talk about. Um,
0: well, actually, I, I, got, wanna... I got a I got a question. I got a question. Um, just because you know, even though I'm the presenter, I, I do have a brain, so I got to ask. <laughs> <laughs> um, how can companies like Ghost and Stay Cube, how can you guys, you know, you have your own things going on, your, your own separate entities, or, or your own separate companies rather, how can companies like yours work together um, to be mutually beneficial in the future? Yeah, it's an awesome question. Um, Stay Cube has always had a
2: stance of uh, to adapt and learn and When we first started, you know, we were a lot of us, like myself. I was less than a year into crypto and I fell into Stake Cube and um, call myself lucky for that, you know, dumb luck. But I've seen many others fall, get into crypto and go into the wrong projects and uh, have a really bad time. And, you know, within a few weeks, maybe a few months, maybe a year, they're out, you know, they're done. And then they're saying bad things about the space or, until the next bull run that is and things have, have gone upside down but collaboratively StayCube cube has a cool way to work with projects just because platform aspect of being able to list and um, now with scp and esports you know it creates more ventures and streams to acquire interest from partners in essence but what i find is for me personally, over the years, I've done a lot of legwork on trying to make friends with projects that um, maybe aren't quite successful yet, but they have quite the potential to become successful. And so, and otherwise, eyeballing things that are peers to stay cube, not necessarily competition, but that are at the same level and working towards the same goals. In other words, kind of like Ghost and their aspect. Um, Sure, we're not uh, similar in project regards, um, but we definitely recognize what Ghost is working on. And, and of course, uh, McAfee uh, always said good things about State cube And so we wanted to support Ghost right away when we heard McAfee is going to be creating a cryptocurrency project, but we didn't know it was going to be proof of stake masternodes. So that was quite cool and easy for us to integrate. And um, you know, with McAfee, uh, going away are, are kind of like, for me personally, it wasn't state cube. I wanted to work with Ghost because I, I thought that, um, if their team's still around and still trying, that it's a good thing, you know, that set forward kind of a, you know, it's the ghost of McAfee in a sense. It's, it's, uh, keeping him alive in some way. So kind of a cool thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, I think, you know, that's great. Um, Derek, Pretty much said it. Um, You know, we may be uh, not similar, um, Ghost and State Cube, but we certainly recognize State Cube's effort, um, especially in the crypto space and what they're offering to the community as a whole. Uh, I think, as the time goes on. Uh, there may be various opportunities for us to both collaborate on uh, a certain project and that can be gaining more you know exposure to a certain element um, within the crypto community. Um, or you know it can just be uh, as simple as um, implementing a, a new pool, right or you know helping them with a the protocol them helping us. Uh, I I think we really have a strategic partnership here. And uh, it's easy to say, you know, from the Ghost community as a whole, um, you know, not even myself, not trying to sound biased, but, you know, everybody loves State Cube. We've had a great, you know, great running with State Cube so far, and we only look to increase uh, our partnership and our future endeavors with State Cube.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. cheers to that Uh, I agree with that 100% ghost is awesome and uh, you know a lot of it's a lot back to like just the master node space and whole and it's kind of a niche small corner of crypto Um, but at one time was a thriving arm of crypto and even with top 10 cryptocurrencies so um, Ethereum and the token wave and DeFi and NFTs and you know there's these cycles that come and go so Masternodes were once a cycle, and um, the thing is, it's a technology that's, that's definitely built the tight niche community, because a lot of us see it as, real, as a real uh, way, and staking too. But proof of work, um, now you get into these advanced um, protocols, so to say, and even Ethereum staking is, is kind of more like a delicacy for 32 ETH needed. Um, so there's different levels. And I think that where State Cube and Ghost find common ground is that we're in a similar level.
0: It's a beautiful thing to see. We have State Cube. We have Ghost. If you don't know Ghost, they're at com. If you don't know StakeCube, they're at stakecube.net, two leaders in the crypto sphere. We're going to spin it around real quick, guys. We're going to talk about global economics. How are we touching global economies with crypto, so Ghost, what do you
1: think? Right. So, of course, this is obviously a sensitive subject because this affects literally everybody in the world. Um, And if you're American, right, the global reserve currency is denoted in the U.S. dollar. So, what it's something like, I believe, 80% of the U.S. dollar supply has been minted in the last two years alone. That is insane. I mean, think about that if it were to be Bitcoin, right? There would be mass pandemonium. Uh, The value would be... Absolutely, detrimentally low. So, yeah, you know, it's just it's hard to really dive into a certain area regarding global economics um, because, like I said, it affects everybody. But I think the role that crypto really plays in it, um, specifically Bitcoin, is that you know Bitcoin is a inflation hedge; it's a deflationary asset. There will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin and it's, you know, borderless. It is censorship resistant. Um, and to me, in this future, we're heading into almost dystopian. Like um, I think Bitcoin going to play a more important role than we have really ever imagined. You know, we've always kind of dreamed about Bitcoin being this global reserve currency, right? Everybody's going to have a Bitcoin wallet on their Android or their Apple device, or whatever it may be. We'll be accepting goods in Bitcoin. We'll be, you know, getting our four hundred one ks in in Bitcoin, and some of that is 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 true to this day. But as we see these governments and these central banks destroy and debase their currencies, I think we see a greater need for crypto um, and and everything that it stands for. Whether you're focused on preserving your privacy with Ghost, you know, or you're you're looking to uh, you know join a staking pool um, with with Stake Cube, uh, or really just get a simple cryptocurrency to pay for something that's not denoted in U.S. dollars, it's just it, it affects everybody. Um, you know, we have damn near 10% inflation on the U.S. dollar. You know, this is decreasing our purchasing power yearly by 10%. You make a $1,000, know, 10% of that's just going away. And you know, now you got really $900 to play with. Um, it, it's it's the driving factor and the motivation for what we do every single day and why we really wake up. You know, they like to say that money isn't everything, but unfortunately you really can't do anything without money, right? Um, and, and to me, that's the ultimate driver um, of why we try to do what we try to do. And I believe why StateCube um, tries to do what it does. Um, speaking more on, on the global economy, I'm gonna be honest, I, I really think that we're headed for a global depression, something unprecedented like we saw in 08, right? Um, if you're in real estate, to me, it seems like you have an endless supply of hopium. Uh, You guys are always just denying the fact that your, uh, your house isn't overvalued, right? You got a piece of land and you got a shack on it. You're going to try and sell it for X amount of dollars. And uh, in all honesty, you know, it's just a shack with some land on it, but you guys are thinking it's literal gold. So I think the real estate community is going to be the first to get uh, really shaken up again. Um, And if they're not the first, they're uh, going to be the last. Because right last time they were the first, but I think we're seeing traditional financial markets and traditional financial instruments such as bonds and you know the stock market, we're seeing this being greatly affected uh, to its core. And this is all going to play back into other investment vehicles such as real estate, uh, such as cryptocurrency as well. I mean, we're already seeing Bitcoin drop, I think it's 25% over the last three days, uh, so I think we are headed for a global depression, and honestly, I believe it's needed because, like what happened over 2020 to you know the end of 2021, we saw all of these shit coins rise up out of nowhere. Right? You go on your computer, you can generate a new dog whatever coin uh, token in five minutes with a 20 quadrillion circulating supply. You get Jake Paul to talk about it for five seconds. And the first 15 people that invested in it, that you know, between them own 90% of the supply, oh, they're millionaires, and then they'll just dump on the community. So, you know, after after this whole period of the crypto market being down, I think it's something to appreciate because we've washed away these projects that have no fundamental values. Uh, they're not offering anything to its users, they're not solving any problems. They're not helping to solve any problems, and there's no future. They just simply exist to exist and clogging up the space. So yeah, I think that in similarity with everything else, we'll observe that with the global economy. You know, we'll see real estate crash down again. We'll see these financial instruments crash down, and uh, you know we'll have to we'll have to almost restart again um, after 08, but on on a more detrimental level. If I were to you know give a give an estimate on end of year for Bitcoin shit that's only a month away somewhere between fifteen thousand and twenty thousand um and and that hurts to say um, Derek, I'm gonna hand it off to you
2: yeah good good thoughts there I'm still still pondering some, some of what you're saying. saying um to take it back. I think that. The biggest problem with global economy right now is financial literacy, and I, I can only speak for the U.S. right now because I don't know how it is really globally. But the U.S. We come out of high school, we don't know anything about investing, credit, financing, interest, loans, debt. Uh, the list goes on, right? Running a business, uh, these things, we're completely unaware about with the real world. I'd say that's why. They say, wait till you get to the real world, right? That's exactly what they're talking about is the world of finance. So I want to say this. I don't know. But what I do think is that Ghost is right when he's saying that we're in for uh, what you'd say a depression. And I think that it actually started in 2019 before even Corona. Um, In October 2019, overnight repo banking markets lost liquidity to lend and borrow to each other so, so that, that means the banks couldn't uh, they didn't have liquidity right so like we're seeing in crypto these exchanges run out of liquidity because of bank runs so, so when you get foreign interest and anyways it's a i could unload on all this stuff some other time i'm with you though i i got a depressing outlook on what's coming in the next uh five ten years but i do think that crypto is like some optimism and some, some sort, some sort of a uh, gym and all of this, you know, it's, it's uh, like a lot of people talk about the dollar being backed by something and going back to to gold standard. But I think that's simply impossible because you've got like a $200 trillion housing market alone. Um, fiat supply is astronomical. I don't even know the numbers of fiat supply. Um then you got things like assets and stocks. There's simply with the way everything's pegged to the dollar, there's no way to go back to a gold standard or it would just absolutely send gold to like multi-million dollars levels like we're thinking Bitcoin's gonna do. So you got Bitcoin in like this modern age and future generations coming. And I mean for me, I personally don't have any gold. I have some Some silver, but I don't really know anybody my age or younger that's has gold or or silver physically. Um, but the ability to have a uh, mobile wallet on your phone. Uh, so yeah, uh, the global economy, Bitcoin it, it is the king of crypto, right? So that's one thing uh, that, that may change in the future. Cause like you're starting to see fiat gateways for straight direct cryptocurrencies. Um, but as it's been for the history, you know, Bitcoin's always tethered the crypto market up and down. So it's an, an like this for uh, what's going on with FTX and CZ. You know, Bitcoin's like in the crosshairs, right? Because as liquidity and money gets pulled from these exchanges, and they have to try to sell their Bitcoin to cover liquidity and, and other tokens, as we've been seeing. So it's just crazy. That's why I say I don't know because I'm like I I can preach how illiterate we are financially, but I'm also Financially illiterate when it comes to macroeconomics and things like guys like Michael Saylor. Um, he's really got a great idea on Bitcoin being backed by energy. So, yeah, I think long term price predictions on Bitcoin. Some of these guys are right. But, um, you know, with the hundred thousands and million dollar levels as sure. for time to get there, I'm not sure how long it'll take. But I do look at Bitcoin as a giant sponge because of its divisibility. Um, having eight decimals creates a highly divisible um, like thing that could actually sponge up the $200 trillion markets. Um, so, but with that said, short term, my price predictions for Bitcoin into of year, I'm saying that we're probably going to tap 13 to 11 K levels. And, and um, we're going to see, see history rhyme like 2018. 18. Uh, unfortunately, but that's worst case scenario. You know, I do like your predictions a lot better than mine. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's it's never easy discussing the future, um, especially the future regarding financial matters. Um, I, I believe you're absolutely correct on, you know, financial literacy being an issue, um, you know, because a lot of high schools across the world, um, religious schools in general, they do not teach the basic fundamentals of financial responsibility. Um or just how to handle day-to-day life uh, from a financial perspective. Uh, so you know, going forward, that certainly needs to change. People need to be better informed of what's going on. Uh, they need to be better informed on the certain policies that are being enacted and how that reflects you know, their financial position and their financial needs. Now, looking at the M1 supply right now, yeah, it's just it's at an all-time high, currently $24,000 billion, right? I think that equates to uh, $24 trillion in the M1 supply. Yeah, I and, don't think and, it's that, too. No, it's like not, a- obviously, it's not a cap, right? There's not just a limit like, oh, well, we can't print any more money. You know, the government's just going to print whenever they want to print because they are stuck on this Keynesian economic theory that you can inflate the debt away. Um, and and you just can't. Uh, if you have any basic understanding of economics, you know that Keynesian economics is not true. It's it's just a false route to go down. Um, you know, speaking back on Bitcoin and the whole CZ situation. Again, I think you know as we progress down the line, and we sort of get rid of these outliers, like we saw with Celsius, Voyager, Three Arrows Capital. You know, these guys were all over leveraged, they were all running through, uh, you know, insolvency problems and ultimately got liquidated. And these guys sort of served as a face for like that 2020 till now time period. Whereas if, I don't know when the majority of our listeners joined in crypto, but uh, if you're familiar with the 2013, 2015 and 2018 era of Bitcoin, it was, it was just Bitcoin. You didn't attribute Bitcoin to anything else. Whereas if you look at like the 2020 and 2021 period, you could attribute Bitcoin to Elon Musk or you know Michael Saylor, like you mentioned. There was like this person or there was an entity almost backing Bitcoin. And I believe that negatively affects the whole market. Um, because again, like you said, if Bitcoin goes up, we all go up. If Bitcoin goes down, we all go down. We're almost you know, like 100% correlated with the fluctuation of Bitcoin's price, um, which is something I hope that in time also decreases because it sucks. If, if something were to happen in the Bitcoin protocol that somebody exploited, you know, why is that going to affect a different crypto that doesn't even share the same code base? It will, but it shouldn't. Um, so again, just moving forward with the whole situation, I think as we eliminate these faces behind Bitcoin, these you know outliers, so to speak, now um, we can get back to the basics of what Bitcoin is and what crypto is, and we don't need these champions for our coins. And then, oh, if you know our champion gets canceled, then you know the project's going to suffer because of that. When in relation. Those two share nothing at all. Somebody just decided to one day wake up and support the coin, uh, the project, whatever it is. So if we can get back to that era of where, you know, fundamentals matter most and not, you know, if JP Morgan's going to invest, you know, $10 billion in Bitcoin, we, we would be way better off than having these people sit here and and root and champion and and wait on whether or not something's going to happen for bitcoin let's just get back to basics and we can possibly see that hundred thousand dollar bitcoin market right
2: well one thing i've noticed is bitcoin supply being evaporated by like you could say the one percent you can actually
1: look at over the uh, counter supply yeah
2: well just in general on the on the blockchain you can see that I think it's the top ten percent wallets hold like eighty percent or ninety percent of the supply, you know. So you can literally check that out. Uh, Not sure what the website I was looking at, but it's like it's like a blockchain analyzer for Bitcoin. Um, So you got institutions mostly and companies holding Bitcoin, which is great. But also you got countries like El Salvador turning it into a standard for currency and payments and you know the u.s <laughs> accepting it in states for tax payments it's it's a coming like the adoptions there
1: i always but, forget you know, about el salvador
2: <laughs> and, and other countries in the recent news too so the central central republic of africa and there's two more countries i just heard that are talking about it so it's kind of like the watching the cannabis legalization in the u.s it's watching bitcoin adoption in the world right now the, the both those things are so interesting right but uh Also one thing over the years, the Bitcoin dominancy is slowly shedding. So as that dominancy will drop, I think it will continue to do so as the nature of open source and technology and innovation and and all of us degenerates that want to just keep building. um, I think that we're going to see detachment from Bitcoin over time further. Um, It'll be its own thing, you know, and we're going to see a lot of other cryptocurrencies become their own thing. And, uh, I'm not saying Bitcoin will get dethroned from being the biggest market cap or whatever, but it could be, you know. So it's it's always good not to be super religious to uh, any one cryptocurrency, unless, of course, you're building that cryptocurrency.
0: <laughs> Interesting stuff, guys. Interesting stuff. Are there any questions out there from the audience? Anything at all that we touched on? We touched on a lot. We talked about McAfee we talked about polarity talked about tokenomics we talked about state cube and ghosts and how great and awesome they are any questions at all from the audience out there well i don't see any hands going once going twice thrice is nice hey guys we're gonna wrap it up thank you to ghost thank you to state cube what an interesting and awesome session we had here, and I think we're going to have to do this again, because this was not only informative and entertaining, this was wicked fun. So, uh, thank you again guys, and I hope everyone has a good day, and, and peace and love to all of y'all. Thank you everybody.
1: Thanks to everybody for joining us, and thank you each other for being our moderators. We'll absolutely have to you know, schedule another space in the future.
2: righty, I'm out. Thank you. Ninja News Japan is a podcast. It's about news from Japan. Japanese news. There's no ninjas. If you're interested in the news, this is a good podcast. If you're interested in Japan, this is also a good podcast. If you're interested in ninjas, this is not a good podcast. It's a Japanese news podcast. It's a podcast
1: about Japanese news. There's no ninjas.
0: Cool thing about Blind Knowledge is we are in multiple countries. We are worldwide, all across the globe. We are in the U.S. We are in the U.K. We are in Canada, Germany, India, Japan. We're in Australia, y'all. BlindKnowledge.com. Now back to the feature presentation.